So we're reading again from 1 Peter this morning and we're reading the whole of chapter 5 which is the last chapter in this book. So Peter writes to us, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way be submissive to those who are older, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Uh, thanks, John. Um, please keep your Bibles open. We're going to be working our way through those verses. Um, there's a lot of detail there that we're going to pick up on and you'll be well served if you can keep up uh, and have it nearby as we do that together this morning. Uh, years back um, I decided that I should give playing uh, AFL a go. Um, I was younger and dumber then. Um, I'd never played. I'd always wanted to. Uh, our family didn't do it. So look, I thought one year I'm going to give it a crack. We're going to, we're going to give it a go. So I signed up to play with the mighty Bridge North Parrots. Not the most intimidating mascot I've ever played for, but anyway, the Parrots. It was great. An amazingly dull team song. Um, but anyway, that, that to the side. I liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I didn't like the wet and the cold uh, and training in the frost. Um, I didn't like all the injuries I got, but I loved playing the game. Uh, I loved playing the game. It was wonderful. And I loved game day. Uh, it was great waking up on a Saturday and, and knowing you've got the game ahead and, and all the nervousness and anticipation and, and preparation that goes with that. And one of my favourite moments was actually 
uh, the last moments before you leave the change room. Um, you, you, you change, you're in your, your uniform, you're all strapped up with everything that's not feeling what it should be, you're ready uh, and it's time to get pumped up. It's time to, to get fired up to go on the ground and you're all geeing each other up and there's lots of yelling and shouting and backslapping and adrenaline pumping. Uh, it's great and the coach uh, grabs you, says come into the huddle, grab a jumper, come close and you all huddle up and he, he gives you the pep talk, which I can't repeat because you can understand why, it's a footy club after all, gives you the pep talk and then you break and you charge out of the rooms, out onto the field and you feel 10 foot tall and unstoppable. And then the game starts and you remember just how average you actually are. But it's great, it's a great moment. It seems like such a great way to go out there and face opposition, doesn't it? You know, what, a, what a great way to tackle that, that, that tough team and, and get uh, that tough game. Get fired up, get your blood pumping. Get ready to get out there and, and to dominate. Maybe you'd expect that's how Peter would finish his letter off. After all, we've heard so much uh, about the struggle ahead. We've, we've heard so much about the opposition around us. Surely you would expect, you know, get out there, church. Dominate, smash them, get, get pumped up. But he doesn't, does he? Uh, in fact, I don't know if you noticed this, Peter goes the complete opposite direction, doesn't he? Peter says, be humble. Be humble. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. It's not about your strength. Be humble. The final word that Peter gives us in facing the hostile world that is all around us is humility. Humility. Prizing what is to come above what we have now and trusting a strength that's not our own. In fact, we finish this letter where we began it. Look at your living hope and then you will face opposition well. And that's what we're going to see this morning. So how do we do it? Well, the first thing is we don't charge out of our rooms, as it were, uh, like a rabble. We're not chaos as we do this. Uh, we're organised. We see that in verse 1. Uh, Peter says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Peter's saying, I'm just like you. I'm an elder. Your church has elders. Um, the church isn't. It's never intended to be. Uh, a rabble or just chaos. There's leadership in the church. There's organisation. It's not an invention of man that we kind of decided a long, uh, a long time after the Bible was written. Um, this is God's idea that we have elders in the church, that we have leadership and structure. But what's important here is how those elders are to act and we see that in verses 2 to 3. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Um, can you imagine if in the paper next Saturday um, you, you saw a high-level organisation um, looking for expressions of interest for, for, for managers uh, and these qualities were listed? Must be servant-hearted, must be like a shepherd, willing, not in it for the cash, a role model. It would be strange, wouldn't it? It would be quite bizarre. But 
But the church isn't a business and its leaders are more than managers. Uh, We're told here that, that elders are like shepherds. They're to guide the flock that is the church given to them. They're to see that the flock is taken care of, um, protected from dangers. They're to see that the the flock is fed. Um, Sometimes the work of a shepherd is gentle. The sheep can be guided. Sometimes uh, it's not so gentle and the sheep have to be brought into line, sheep being sheep. We're told that the flock, uh, the church, doesn't belong to the elders. Uh, It's not their possession. In fact, it belongs to the chief shepherd, to Jesus. And all elders, our elders included, are simply under-shepherds, stewards of the flock that Jesus has entrusted to them. And so the call to elders then is to serve. Um, Not because they're compelled, we don't force our elders into their service, but because they're willing for it. Um, Not for greedy gain, um, but eagerness for the position. Not lording it over those under them, but shepherding by example. So if we gather all those things together, what do we say about the work of an elder, about the conduct of an elder? Well, we say elders are to lead, are to shepherd, not for personal gain, not for personal advance, but for the good of the flock given to them. The work of an elder is, above all, being selfless. Not in it for what they can get now, but as we see here, actually, for what is promised in the future. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. For those who serve in this way, there is glory to come, a crown, the victor's crown, uh, given to those who finish the race, who follow their calling with honour, the promise of glory that will never fade. Elders are to serve the flock, not looking for what they might get from their service, but looking for what Jesus has promised to them when he comes again. The elder serves with humility. But as we continue on, we see that the instruction to all followers is actually not that dissimilar. Look at verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, In verse 5 there, younger men is literally just those who are younger uh, and the word older is elder. Um, Peter's setting up a contrast here. He's not saying this is young men to old men. He's saying this is elders to, well, what's the opposite of elders? The youngers. It's to everyone else. Um, This is a command to all, be submissive to your elders, to those who are in leadership over you. In fact, all of us ought to be humble to one another. That's the attitude we're to adopt when we talk with one another, when we interact with one another, when we act as a church together. In fact, Peter says, um, clothe yourselves, literally put on the clothes of humility. And and surely he has in mind here um, a scene that that, that he would remember that you might be familiar with. Uh, Jesus at the Last Supper. Maybe you remember that. Jesus, uh, the disciples turn up in this upper room. They're tired, they're dirty from their journey. Um, they're, they're trying to get ready for the meal but they're all dirty, they need to wash but there's no servant to do that. None of them want to do that, they're too proud. And so who does? Jesus. Jesus dresses as a servant and he washes their feet, an act of great humility. 
And with that in mind, Peter says this to us here today. Clothe yourselves with humility. Be humble towards one another. Uh, Your place in the church family, in the church community, is not about you. Uh, It's about those around you, serving them, uh, putting yourself under them, putting their interests first. It's about being selfless. Not proud. We're told God opposes the proud. Instead, be humble because the promise of grace is for the humble. Uh, Earlier this year, I think it was at the Australian Open, um, during one of the matches there, something something kind of awful happened with with one of the people in the crowd. Um, There was a young girl in the crowd. Uh, She was obviously a huge fan of one of the men who was playing in the match Uh, And so she spent most of the match on the fence cheering for for this player. Um, And at the very end of the match, uh, the player who had obviously noticed uh, her attention um, came up to her with his his towel, I think, um, and made it clear that he was going to throw the towel to her. He lined her up and said, this is for her. Uh, And so he threw the towel. And out of nowhere, an older lady, probably in her 50s, uh, came and just snatched the towel out of the air, snatched it out of this little girl's grasp, held it up in triumph, Uh, and walked off to her seat. Uh, And as you can imagine, poor little girl, um, been looking forward to this moment, in tears. Um, As happens at big sporting matches, it got replayed on the big screen. Uh, Everyone saw what happened, everyone um, saw what this lady had done, and you can imagine the reaction, can't you? Um, It would have been very uncomfortable being that lady, enduring all the boos uh, and the scorn of the crowd. She, um, She really copped it. But the player also saw what had happened uh, when it got replayed and he went back to the fence and he called the little girl back to him Uh, and this time she got more than a towel. Uh, She got the whole work. She got photos uh, with this player. She got the sweatbands. I think she even got the racket or a shoe or or something. She got everything. You know, it worked out for her in the end. She she got all this great stuff. She was recognised. And what Peter's saying here in this passage is, is kind of similar He's saying if you try to put yourself forward, not only is it not good, but it won't end well. Maybe, maybe short-term gain, but long-term disaster. Instead, think of yourself less and think more of the church family around you. Be humble. Be humble, because better is coming. Not better that you've earned in your humility, but better that he's going to be given far out of proportion to it because of grace. Glory to those who lead, grace to those who follow, an eternal inheritance and a hope that lives forever. So be humble. Leaders be humble. Elders and leaders of Sunday school and management team and all others who have positions of leadership, be humble. Uh, Your leadership here, your role, your responsibility amongst us, it's not about you. It's not about what you could gain from it. It's not about prestige that you might gain or good standing. It's not about getting your own way. It's not even about getting into a position where you could have a greater say about how things go. That's not it at all. Instead, look to Jesus as your example. He could have claimed all glory. It was his right And yet he served and was humble. Do likewise. All of us, in fact, be humble. 
It's not about us. It's not about pushing for the things that we like or prefer. It's not about standing on the rights that we might think we have. It's about being like Jesus. Being humble, considering others' interests, others' needs before our own. I mean, do we dare stand in his church, in his bride, uh, whom he suffered with, uh, whom he served, sorry, with utter selflessness? Do we stand there and demand our own way? Instead, think first of others. Think first of the church family that he has put us in and serve with humility. Serve remembering what we've seen all through this book. Remember, the stakes are high, aren't they? Um, There's hardship ahead. There's opposition that we are going to have to endure together. There's enough going on outside our church than we would uh, to be worrying about selfish leaders and selfish members within it. We, We don't need that. We've got enough hardship as it is. Instead, together we strive, together we serve in order that together we would be strong and endure. We do that remembering Jesus has won for us glory and grace and hope beyond imagining and we fix our eyes there. We see the riches he's promised and we know there's no need to strive for ourselves or for more here. I mean, what more could we possibly need? What better than what we have could we gain? Instead be humble and together strive for Jesus and endure. Because there are dangers ahead, Uh, there are dangers all around us and we ought not to treat those things lightly. Um, In the next section there's there's four commands. See if you can um, pick them as I read these verses. Verses 6 to 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Four commands in there. You, You might have picked them up. First of all, be humble. Secondly, self-controlled. Thirdly, alert. And fourthly, resist. Uh, One of them is towards God, two for ourselves and one to the devil. Uh, Toward God, be humble. Humble yourselves under his mighty hand. Um, His hand is is a picture used throughout the Bible for for how he acts in the world, how he acts for his own glory uh, and for the sake of his people. Um, So we we, we read that it's by his mighty hand that he saves his people time and time again. It's his mighty hand that he raised his son from the dead. So put yourself under his mighty hand and know that he cares for you. That's toward God. Well, what about toward ourselves? Well, we're told be self-controlled and be alert. Keep your head screwed on. Keep your eyes open. The world is full of threats. The world is full of dangers. Be alert to that. Don't ignore them, but wake up. And finally, toward the devil, resist him. Um, Peter develops that, that picture of, of sheep uh, and lions. You can, you can picture you know, the flock of sheep 
gathered together and the, the hint of a lion prowling around, roaring and, and growling in the darkness, sometimes seen, sometimes only heard. He's saying, be aware and resist him. Don't, don't scatter in every direction for he's looking to pick you off. But stay there, stay together, stand firm together and resist him. And in fact, when we put all those commands together, when we, when we uh, gather them together, what they paint for us is, is a familiar picture, a word we've seen a lot of today. Be humble. Be humble. Don't charge off, don't take this battle on yourself, but instead be humble. Um, maybe you've heard the story of Don Quixote. It's a, it's a really old story. You might be familiar with bits of it. Um, Don Quixote is a knight. Uh, he is a knight who in his day is a bit old-fashioned, um, a bit out of date. He's very proud of being a knight. He's got a very prickly reputation and he loves to fight. And so whenever an opportunity comes in, he is charging off uh, without a thought, ready to, to, to go into battle, ready to fight whoever is willing. Don Quixote is also not very bright, it seems, um, and he's easily tricked. And someone convinces him that windmills are in fact giants. Um, I don't know how they do that, I haven't read the full story, but he's convinced that windmills are giants. And so when the proud, uh, combative knight sees these giants, what's he to do? Well, he's a knight, he's got to charge, and, and so what, that's what he does, he's got to fight it, he's got to kill these giants. And so every time he sees a windmill, off he goes on his horse, lance down, charging to kill these giants. Um, it's where we get that, that saying, um, tilting at windmills. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Um, it's stupid, isn't it? It's stupid. I mean, charging into battle with it, without a thought, just on a, on a hunch, uh, whether enemies are real or fake, it's stupid. And yet, how easy is it for Christians to do the same? Possible enemy, off we go. Possible threat, have at them. I mean, we're, we're so quick, aren't we? we? We see a fight, we see a hint of a threat and we throw ourselves headlong, even looking for battles. And we're not to do that. Because the results are rarely ever good. So often we fight or we hurt the wrong thing. So often we fight or we hurt ourselves and not only ourselves but each other. What we're called here is not to throw ourselves into any fight, real or imagined, but instead to be humble, to know our strength, to know our place and simply to resist. It's a bit like Jethro at the gym. Um, if you know our, our son Jethro, you will have seen him here this morning making a fuss. Uh, if you know him, you'll know he likes balls. Um, anything that involves a ball, whether it's kicking or throwing or hitting, if it's got a ball, it's great and he'll do it for hours. Um, now at the gym, um, there are lots of balls there, medicine balls that range from about 6 kilos all the way through to 45 kilos. Uh, and when Jethro first went to the gym, he thought it was great. Balls everywhere, this is awesome. Uh, so when he was allowed to, off he goes, grab the ball. And it was rather amusing um, to see this tiny kid, a one-year-old, uh, staggering around, trying to move, trying to lift, trying to just even shift this enormous ball, puffing, straining. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, we were laughing at him. You know, might have overdone yourself, Jethro. It's a bit heavy. 
just puffing away, puffing. Yeah, heavy. Know your strength, buddy. Maybe not the 20. Just go for the six. (laughs) You too, Christian. Know your strength. Know your place. And be humble. There are tough times ahead. There is a tough adversary around. Be on the lookout. Know your role. And resist him. It's not yours to overcome him. Remember, Jesus has already done that for us. Jesus has won. He's defeated the devil. He's beaten his power. Uh, Remember, he who is in us is greater than he who prowls around us. So trust him. Don't charge off, but stand firm. Uh, As one writer puts it, the call to resistance does not summon believers to do Herculean acts on God's behalf. Believers are not encouraged to gather all their resources to do great works for God. No, resisting the devil means that believers remain firm in the faith, that is, in their trust in God. Entrust yourself to God and humble yourself under his mighty hand. See, if you're actually going out there all the time and and, and taking that fight on and, and trying to bear up under your own strength, that's actually a form of pride, isn't it? I mean, it looks noble, but it's actually prideful. You're, you're saying or you're implying, I can do it, I, I, I'm strong enough, I can manage, I'm not weak, I can push through, I've got what it takes. That's pride, isn't it? It's pride and, and really, it's kind of laughable. It's actually no less ridiculous than 13 kilo Jethro trying to move a 20 kilo medicine ball. It's not going to happen. Instead, be humble enough to recognise and say, I can't, but God can. So cast all your anxieties on him, every single one, and let his strength bear them. Can you do that? It's it's not an easy thing, is it? Um, It's in fact sometimes a kind of scary thing. It means giving up control, what what little we had. It means maybe trading in for uncertainty. But know that he cares. That he cares for you. And he will do what is right. He will do what is best for you. And he will bear your burden no matter how heavy it is, no matter how weighty your foe is. If you charge off on your own, you will get yourselves into all sorts of hurts. But with him there are all sorts of promises. Look at verse 10 and 11. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. Trust him because he will never let you fall. It's true. There will be suffering on the path that he will take you on, but there is strength at the end. There is security uh, and firm standing 
because his is all power, not only today but tomorrow and forever. What we've seen uh, throughout this, this book and throughout this, this series is that we have a great, we have a wonderful thing here in this church. Uh, we are a community, a family of love and of hope and of joy and of strength. Uh, we've seen we're, we're God's chosen people, part of his royal priesthood. In fact, uh, we have a central place in his plans and his purposes, not only for this world but for all eternity. I mean, what a privilege we have. What a glory has been shared with us. So heed this warning. Don't ruin it by selfishness. Don't spoil it with pride. Don't be complacent and let danger creep in. For there are hard times ahead uh, and maybe in the next years and decades we will see harder times even in this country than we would ever have imagined. So serve, remember and cling to the better and bigger and more beautiful hope that we have. We have a prize, we have a treasure in Jesus that will last all time. Together endure, together stand firm until that day when together we receive this inheritance that he is keeping for us, unfailing, unspoiling, eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us stand and resist and endure until the end when Jesus comes again. Father, you know our trials, uh, you know our hardships, you know our doubts, the opposition we face, the suffering we endure. You know our struggles, you know our questions. You know the fights that even now we're in the midst of. Lord, help us in all of these to be humble, not looking for our own gain but trusting the promises that you've given us in Jesus. Help us to show humility in trusting all our anxieties to you, trusting that you care care for us and trusting in your power. Father, keep our eyes fixed on you and on the hope that you have given us in Jesus. Keep us and use us and grow us, we pray, until the day that he returns. In his name we pray. Amen.